0: Welcome to the Staying Ages podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, associate E. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be talking about longevity and factors that contribute to living a longer life. To get this longevity party started, we'll delve into the fundamental elements that play a pivotal role in achieving longevity. And later today, we'll be chatting with our expert and ageless hero, Dr. Gladys McGarry, a 102-year-old life consultant and also a founding diplomat of the American Board of Holistic Medicine. I am so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in the United Arab Emirates, the USA, the UK, Ireland, Spain, Uganda, South Africa, Ghana, France, Germany, and much more. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Hey y'all, hey. Today I want to chat directly about the central theme of this podcast, longevity. Longevity refers to the length of time that an individual lives often measured in terms of their lifespan. It pertains to the duration of a person's life from birth to death. And the concept of longevity, as you know, is commonly associated with the idea of living a longer and healthier life, characterized by a lower risk of chronic diseases and a higher quality of life in old age. Several factors can influence an individual's longevity, impacting how long they live and their overall quality of life as they age. Uh, Some of these key factors include our genetics. As we know, family history and genetic predispositions can play a role in determining how long a person can live and their susceptibility to certain diseases if you do not make lifestyle and diet choices that can trump your genetics. We all know now that genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger, meaning if you make the right choices, your family history of disease can actually end with you. Now there's lifestyle choices. We know that diet is important. So a balanced diet, nutritious diet, rich in fruits and vegetables, um, whole grains, lean proteins, healthy fats can contribute to overall health and longevity. Diets high in processed foods, sugars, and unhealthy fats can increase the risk of chronic disease. And for me, it's also really important that the person's eating in alignment with their body type, in in alignment with where their family came from, in alignment with... Preventing the family history of disease. Then there's physical activity. Regular exercise can help maintain a healthy weight, cardiovascular health, and muscle strength. Active individuals often experience lower rates of chronic disease and longer lifespans. And there's a ton of research to prove that. Avoiding and limiting um, tobacco use, alcohol, or excessive alcohol consumption can significantly impact health outcomes and also increase the likelihood of a longer life. Uh, Stress management is huge. So chronic stress, as we know, can negatively affect your health in so many different ways. So having some form of effective stress management that happens daily, um, if not very often, um, can very much contribute to longevity. And then sleep, getting sufficient quality sleep is essential for physical and mental well-being. So poor sleep patterns can lead to health issues that also affect longevity. There are environmental factors involved, of course. Where we live matters, definitely. As we know, there are these blue zones um, at different parts of the world, you know, where people tend to live longer, and that's because there's a certain environment created. So the air quality matters. So exposures to air pollution and environmental toxins can have adverse health on your health and your longevity. Access to clean water isn't important. So access to safe and clean drinking water is vital for maintaining health and preventing waterborne diseases. And then there's safety and infrastructure. So living in a safe community with access to healthcare, education, and basic amenities can also contribute to longevity. One of the things that I find very fascinating after interviewing a lot of men and women who um, have achieved longevity and are living their best life is I noticed that they tend to have a positive mental outlook. So, a life's purpose, having a positive mental outlook, involvement in a faith community can also be really big factors that contribute to a longer and more fulfilling life. Um, basically, having a life's purpose just means you have a reason to wake up every single day. Um, and it has been associated with numerous health benefits. A clear purpose can provide motivation, direction, a sense of accomplishment. And when their individuals feel like their actions contribute to something greater than themselves, it leads to reduced stress levels, improved mental health, and a more optimistic outlook on life. Um, Studies have shown that people with a sense of purpose tend to engage in healthier behaviors, such as regular exercise and better eating habits, which then obviously contributes to a longer life. A study... Produced in JAMA Network Open 2019 found that individuals with a strong life purpose were more likely to engage in health-promoting behaviors such as physical activity and healthy eating. Then there's positive mental outlook. As I mentioned, an optimistic attitude can have a profound effect on health and longevity. So positive emotions are linked to a stronger immune system, reduced inflammation, better cardiovascular health. And there was research published in Health Psychology in 2019, and it showed that individuals with a positive outlook on aging lived 7.5 years longer on average than those with a negative outlook. Then there's faith community and social support. We know that active participation in faith communities, such as a church, a temple, a mosque, often provides a strong social support network. Being a part of that community offers a sense of belonging, a place for shared values, and a supportive environment where individuals can connect with others who have similar beliefs. The Journal of Aging and Health in 2018 published a study suggesting that religious involvement and participation in faith communities were linked to better mental health outcomes and improved emotional well-being. So in summary, really important, your life purpose, uh, your positive mental outlook, and an involvement in a community of faith are actually um, interconnected factors that actually can contribute to a longer and more meaningful life based on research. They can enhance psychological resilience, encourage healthier behaviors, reduce stress, foster social connections, and also promote emotional well-being. So now that you've gained some insight into the general landscape of how to promote longevity and all these different factors that can contribute to it, which I know we talk about a lot on this podcast in various forms, Um, I hope that you have maybe picked up on a few areas that you can also improve in your own life. Remember, the path to longevity is a dynamic adventure and it demands personal commitment and self-care. So as you cultivate this comprehensive approach tailored to your individual needs, you're setting the stage for a life enriched with quality and resilience. All right, let's take a brief pause, and when we return, we will delve deeper into the exciting realm of longevity with our amazing guest. So stay tuned. Are you a woman struggling with horrible periods, fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, infertility, or unsavory menopausal symptoms? I'm Asosa E, also known as the Raw Girl of therawgirl.com. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And in my hormone balancing academy, me and my team can help you approach any hormonal challenge you are facing from a holistic perspective. Don't take my word only for it. Here's a snippet from a recent client whose fibroid shrunk after following my recommendations.
1: Um, come to find out, my fibroid shrunk to a 1.5. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> I was so happy and grateful to God and A and you know just her program really outside of my fiber shrinking. I am off of chicken, so I don't do meat. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> and I don't do dairy. Don't, you know, we don't do that anymore. And my weight is steadily at a 101 pounds as of today so my weight did go up Um, so I'm really happy with you know with my results I'm really grateful to you know to God and to to sosa and her her raw girl program and I highly 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 recommend you sign up for raw girl you won't regret it
0: Just in case you missed it, head on back to season six and hear more of the amazing glow up stories from women who have overcome infertility, normalized incessant periods, and much more. If you or someone you know are interested in reaching your hormonal health goals with support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a free 20 minute call and a member of our team will talk to you. Until then, stay healthy and happy. Dr. Gladys McGarry is a pioneer of the allopathic and holistic medical movements. She's also a founding diplomat of the American Board of Holistic Medicine. She's the co-founder and past president of the American Holistic Medical Association, as well as the co-founder of the Academy of Parapsychology and Medicine and the founder of the International Academy of Clinical Hypnosis. Dr. Gladys lives and works in Scottsdale, Arizona, where for many years she shared a medical practice with her daughter. She currently has a medical consulting practice, maintains a healthy diet, and enjoys a good piece of cake every now and then. She has spoken at TEDx. Dr. Gladys, I am super excited to have you on the Staying Ages podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I feel like I want to ask you everything, but (laughs) Uh, let's start with, um, I don't know. I, I, I think the most interesting thing I found about you that I think would resonate a lot with our listeners, because, um, I do have, I work with mostly women and, um, I just felt like your story was one of very extreme resilience, like, um, the life cycle stuff that you dealt with the divorce different things you've dealt with. What, what do you feel helped you um, kind of create resilience and keep going when life was doing all the crazy stuff it was doing at various points?
2: Well, I, I really, since I was a child, I had a vision. I, I knew that I had work to do. I had watched my parents in the jungles of North India taking care of the poor people, And all of that. And that seemed like that's a good way to go, you know. And so I, in my own uh, way, have found how my path uh, was able to express what I felt was important in life. And that was called reaching for the light or reaching for understanding or reaching past where I might be stuck. It was always okay, you know. You don't just get over this stuff. You have to live through it, and if you live through it, you experience it, and it's painful, but it heals. Mm. And then, and then it's you've got a scar, but you don't you don't have a a wound that's still a suppurating. You know, it's it's there, and you know what it, what it was, and you know what you felt, but um, but you're not stuck that. It? and it's always been a way in which uh I had to keep reaching until I found my way out of this myth. No, that makes sense i I
0: was astounded by the fact that you've experienced cancer scares twice in your life uh-huh. and overcome those. What did you learn about yourself through dealing with
2: that well I It's an ongoing learning process that really I'm the one that has to do the healing. Mm -hmm. I can get help from the outside, and I need help from the outside, and I'm dependent on the help from the outside. But when it comes down to the actual cellular process of life, I had to really do that myself. And it was something that I really. Um, understood well enough that I could transfer that to my patients and have them understand that the healing really is from the physician within them. My part is done when when I have turned that over, but they can still come in contact like you do with any medical con- consult colleague. Yeah.
0: Yes, I love this. I love that concept of the inner physician, and I completely agree. Um, there's a lot of things like I, I, I'm a holistic nutritionist, and I'm, um, I'm coming at everything more from a functional medicine perspective and trying to help people to get to the root cause and use lifestyle stuff, you know, to uh-huh. heal them. But um, a lot of my patients are very um, upset with, I guess, the way that they're treated in medical environments and, like, sometimes even the the care that they receive. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, like, from your perspective, what are things that you would advise the younger generation of, of medical practitioners? Because I do have a lot of doctors who
2: listen to this podcast. Oh, yes, because <clears throat> I think a lot of our training, uh, I'm... I'm I'm talking about the overall field in medicine, has been technical. You know, the Mm -hmm. technical things that we could do to help patients. And I think that's really important and I love it, but that's not what we really, that's not what gives us our juice as physicians. What I found, and I like to have uh, young physicians understand, is that it's not really the the fact that you are able to do these technical things it's the joy that you get from watching the the patient latches onto that and run with it, you know and say, Yeah, I can do that and 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 work with what you're offering them, and when they do that, that's what gives us the the uh you know what it's like it's watching your kids get the Get hold of what it is that you've been yelling at him for all this time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's so good. I I I totally resonate with that because I I think that some of the experiences that people have that are negative these days are because the the heart of the physician. I don't know. I, I know that it's a very impersonal sometimes you know, way that people are approaching it. But I feel that I couldn't do my work without having a heart for people healing and wanting them to get better and being concerned.
2: I don't know. That's just me personally. Um, well, I agree with you, you know. I think when the computer came in to the 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 doctor's office, it somehow in some places took the place of the doctor and wow. i would have patients come back and say to me well i was there all this time and he never spoke to me he just talked to the computer so it wow. was that disconnect that needs to be repaired in the yes. and in the field of medicine
0: yes i agree i agree what what are some personal habits that you have that you feel like have been a part of um, your longevity and or personal habits that you feel are important for someone who's looking to live for a long time or live well?
2: Well, I don't smoke and I don't use alcohol. Uh, I I don't care to, I mean, I I don't, you know, and uh, I do like Chocolate cake, and I do like a chocolate now and then, and, and uh, I don't drink pop, but I love orange juice and other juices. And uh, I'm a, I like <laughs> in Arizona, you better be drinking water, or you're going to miss oh. out on a lot of things. And and I I walk. Uh, I have a walker, and because my. Eyes don't let me see where I'm going, so but I can you know bang into things with a walker. So I, I really try to make uh, three thousand eight hundred steps a day. Now with my walker. Now I don't always make that, but I that's that was that's my goal. And they're not fancy steps; they're just one after the other. And I <laughs> my bedroom is a second floor bedroom. So, I go up oh, wow. to my bedroom every day. When I built oh, this wow. little house, I built it with the idea that when I get old, I'm going to have to make myself go up to the bath- bedroom and bathroom, of course, you know, they're up there. So...
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing.
2: Um... But you know, beyond all of that to me mm-hmm. is this inner knowing that we as human beings are here to do something for all of us and for Mother Earth. You know, I think that God, however one constructs the concept of God, created the earth and created us as humans. And he said, um, now this is real good, he says to us humans, he says, I've done this beautiful job and this world is here and you are the only things on living things on this planet that have free will and choice. So I therefore give you dominion over the over the planet. Well, we in our arrogance stepped back and said we got dominance over it. So mm-hmm. therefore we took over and we and we've done horrible things to to uh the to each other and to our planet so it's time you know i think that i'm finding a lot of people are are like et you know uh, reaching for their home reaching for their true humanity our true humanity says we are creatures who Love and that love is the great medicine. No matter what the te- modality is, if it's done with love, it works amazing. Hmm. My oldest son, when he came through uh, Arizona, he had just fin- finished his training in orthopedics. And he said he was on his way down to Del Rio, Texas to start his practice. But he said to me, Mom, I'm real scared. He said, I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I don't know if I can handle that. And I said, well, Carl, if if you think that you have, that that's your job, you have a right to be scared. But if you can understand that it's your job to do this orthopedic stuff, which is amazing. I mean, if we've got something that requires orthopedic surgery, you better get a good orthopedic surgeon to help you with that but after you've done that and as you are in the process of working with that you now reach out to the physician within that patient who takes it and says oh i get it and i'll work with it now that's what will make the healing because you love that patient enough to spend time so that you with them that they actually get what it is that you're telling them about what's happening with their body. Right. So true. How important, you touched
0: on this a little bit already, but how important do you feel faith, um, things like faith and community are for longevity?
2: I think community is vital. I think that it's um, however a person can construct their life which I have no uh, desire to try to control in that whatever their faith is or lack of faith, whatever it is that makes sense to them and allows that position within them to be real. If they can love themselves. They can love other people. It's mm. and you begin to really understand the physician within you, and love it enough that you can actually work with it. I talk mm-hmm. to myself, and I, I talked to my the Dr. Gladys part of myself, and she get she, uh, sometimes gets real bossy to Gladys, and says, "Now what do you think you're doing?" And I have to say to we so we have this kind of conversation with ourselves which makes it really fun and and workable you know and you know yeah. if you can put joy and laughter into it it really i have these five l's that, that are i think very a foundation for what my philosophy is the first one is life without life nothing else matters you know so mm-hmm. but life by itself is like a seed in the pyramid 5,000 years and it's still sitting there where all the energy of the universe within it can't do anything about it until love, which is in the form of water and sunshine and so on, activates the seed by breaking the shell so that the life force can then become what it needs to be. So life and love are they need each other. It's like the sperm and the ovum. It's like night and day. It's, the, it's a dual worth world that we live in. So those two, are, they have to be together. The third L is laughter. Laughter without love is cruel. It's mean. Families mm. break apart. Mm. But laughter with love is joy and happiness. Mm. The fourth one is drudgery. Oh mm-hmm. man, you gotta go to work. There are too many diapers, you know, all of this mm-hmm. stuff. And it just, you're dragging yourself around. But uh, labor, no, 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 no uh, what, what did I just say? The, the mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if it becomes late, yeah, that's right. Labor without love is drudgery. And you're just dragging yourself around, trying to do it, but labor with love is bliss. It's right. why you do what you do. You're not feeling very well today, but you're doing it anyway. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the the singer who sings, the, the painter who paints, the, why I do the medical work. It's the thing that, that makes our body really say, yes, that's what it's all about. You know, it's our bliss is the drudgery with love. It's it's that different. And then listening is the fifth. Mm. Listening without love is empty sound. You don't hear it. You know, it's just not there. But listening with love is understanding. Mm. It's why the doctor needs to listen to the patient within, I mean the doctor Mm -hmm. within the patient. It's that Mm -hmm. connection which is so vital.
0: That's so good. Hmm. Because I often feel when I work with patients that it's like I don't, first of all, I use my intuition. I use, you know, I I pray for my patients. I use my intuition. I use Uh my other sense of listening right yeah but then i also find that by deeply listening to them a lot of times they they even know their their system their body their mind already knows some of the things they need and they may have just not been paying attention and so it's my job to bring their awareness of the fact that hey you just said this (laughs) like clearly you want you know clearly that might be good for you you know
2: I totally agree. And and I also really ask my patients to pay attention to their dreams, Mm. whether they're they're daydreams or the dreams at night, because I think that we have our unconscious mind is there for a reason. Mm. And it communicates with us in different ways. But dreams are one that you can do something about. You can right. pay attention to them.
0: Right. Right. Hmm. Would you consider yourself a pessimist or an optimist?
2: I don't see any reason to be a pessimist. Mmm. Mmm. Interesting. <laughs> it depends on what I want to look at. Right. You know, I have a choice. I can either and there are always two sides to a question, but mm-hmm. if it's if it's something that that is ugly or painful or something that I can't do anything about, um, you can let that go. If it's a, if it's a, I you know you can't do anything about it, let it go. But if you find something that you're kind of stuck in, and you're and it's painful, and you're working with that. If you keep, if you don't let the actual healing process, like like for instance, if you have a cut on your arm mm-hmm. and you the, can dress it and do what it needs to and give it time to heal, it'll heal. But mm-hmm. if you sit there and look at it and keep picking at that scab, it's never going to heal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If it doesn't, if you keep picking at that scab, it's going to be there. But if you can let it heal with the own, your own healing process, you can look at it 15 years later and say, oh, I know who you are. Right. Right. Hmm.
0: Very interesting. <laughs> um, what, after seeing a lot of patients where besides just you know this I love this inner physician, um and I agree with that. I feel that um are there other things that you have learned from seeing patients over time
2: oh yeah i I have changed from calling it holistic, not change, but I'm now calling it living medicine because living medicine includes the whole spectrum I was as a matter of fact about uh, 10 years ago or so I was in the grocery store with my cart pushing it around and I heard over the PA system the hardware store down the street announcing itself as a holistic hardware store oh wow (laughs) So I stopped the cart and I said well there you have it you know it's a household word they don't know what it means but it so we have to find another one. Well, I had already been using living medicine as where I was going. And so my, my, now, my purpose now is to help us really understand what living medicine is about. And I have patients who are so able to do their own healing that they, they you know, I have one patient. She just died a month ago. At 78. She oh, wow. lived her whole life since she was 18 months old with one quarter of one kidney. That's wow. not possible. Wow. All of us who took care of her
1: would wow. look at her and we'd
2: say, How are you alive? Right. You know, this is so amazing. Well, she knew her body, and she knew what her her body told her. She knew. How she would work with her body, and if if something that one of us physicians on the outside suggested uh, her to do, she wouldn't do it if it, if her inner knowing was that that wouldn't work for her, mm. and she was able to do that from from the time she was little. Wow, she had a mother that understood it somehow and uh, let her kind of. Do what she was going to do, but but she lived a full life, had a pregnancy, you know, uh, and and died when she is in her seventies. So, and I I can't tell you how many amazing people I know, who are examples of people who are living medicine. I mean, their very life force is so strong that this is what they've done. They've taken hold. And they've stepped up to it, and they say, "Yes, I, I have one wonderful, amazing woman who just told the, the people at Johns at the, uh, Johns Hopkins that no, that wasn't the way she was going. She was going this way, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and and she's, uh, I, I don't, I I so adore these people who." Actually, really understand them se- their se- themselves, well enough to really stand up to those of us who are authorities and say, "No, that's not for me." Yeah, you know, they're, we're, we call them non-compliant patients. <laughs> well, maybe it's time we physicians listen to some of these non-compliant patients and uh, said, "Well, how, how are you? You know." Ask them the question. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, and figure out how you can help if you, if they don't feel that that's right for them. Whatever you're right. offering, you know, I have a lot of doctors who send me patients who don't want to do specific procedures. They don't want to do procedures on their fibroids or you know their hormone balance issues or whatever. So they send them to me so they can do the holistic stuff. But I appreciate the doctors who are like, let me listen to this patient. This patient says, this is not the right thing for me. So let me like find an alternative that I can, even if I can't provide it, let me find something that can help them.
2: Yeah. Maybe a patient comes in and says, so I've got fibroids, maybe pastoral pack will work. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, How did you become a physician? What led, what led you to that profession?
2: Well, you know, my parents were both doctors, and when, when I was two, I let them know that I was a doctor also. Uh-huh. My, <laughs> my my sister wouldn't let me play with her dolls because my dolls were all having get fixed, and mm-hmm. they were in the hospital or something, you know. So uh-huh. it was something that I knew from the beginning was my. In fact, I let my parents know that my daughter. Who is a functional medicine person here uh, in Scottsdale? She's uh-huh. she when she was two, my my husband is a doctor too. So she came up to us one day and she looks at him and she looks at me and she says, "Last time when I was a doctor, I was a daddy doctor, not a mommy doctor." Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, "Ooh la la," <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's uh-huh. that kind of awareness I I'm I'm I have great grandkids now who are saying the same thing you know wow. or saying they are actually admitting that they want to do something that's maybe you know they they have it in other words they have come into this life for a reason and right. I think every one of us has come into this life for a reason and if we can Access it really early. It just it just makes life more interesting. Sometimes it makes it harder because we're considered weird or something. But um, a nice thing I just learned a while back is the Welsh people. When they when they greet each other in the morning, mm-hmm. they don't say good morning. They say, "How's your weird?" Before it's cuz to them the weird is the inner core of their being. Wow. Isn't that lovely? That is so lovely. So when my fa- my kids say they come from a weird family, I uh wow.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wow, so you really knew early what your purpose was. For what would you what would your advice be to young people? I mean, There's a lot of young people who are just like, I don't know. I don't know my purpose. And maybe they might even not be young. They might be in their 30s and 40s or whatever, and they still feel like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. What would your advice be to someone
2: like that? Start looking. Start looking. Because you're the only one that can find out. You know? I mean, other people can point you. Other people can suggest things and so on. But if you're not going, not looking for it, it's empty sound. You Mm -hmm. have to be looking for an answer in order to find it.
0: Mm. Mm. That's so good. Are there things that you would have done differently, like as far as like health, healthy habits or different things that you would have done differently um,
2: when you look back? Oh heavens, yes! When, <laughs> when, when I started medical school,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it was World War um, One started at uh, two. <laughs> that was my parents. World War Two started in December. I started medical school in September of, war wow. of 41, and wow. everything that we were taught had to do with killing diseases and killing people and getting rid of pain. And so um, what I learned, and so, you know, we learned what we learned when you're, you're being taught. I, when, when I was in medical school, the whole concept of birthing was really terrible, the way we treated women. Um myself included, my first two sons, I had twilight sleep. Mm-hmm. We gave we totally anesthesized the patient. So she when it came time to push, she couldn't push. My
0: goodness. So we
2: had to use forceps. And I was really good at using forceps. I could if wow. there wasn't was there was no other way to get the baby out. Out, yeah. Okay. Wow. So I used forceps even on an aftercoming head. Wow. And I was able to do it. So at that time, I was able to do what I could do because that was the only place. See, as you go through life there and then look back on things, you can see how certain things that you did really were what you had to do at the time. Right. But I, I went through a, a period yeah. When I was really ashamed of what I had done, mm. but I looked at it again and I said, "But you saved those babies." Yeah. Of course, it was a bad way of doing it, but then that's all we had. Right. And and see, I I really think that what happened was that uh, when men became obstetricians, they couldn't stand the oh. way we holler when we we're in pain. And so they were. All they were trying to do was take care of the pain, and then you had to figure out a way of taking getting the baby out. So, you know, uh, it's here's something that I think you'd appreciate. Um, uh, I had a dream a while back, Mm -hmm. and in this dream, I woke up because there was a huge crash, and when I I was in the dream and out of the dream, I looked. I was in the valley in the high Himalayas, and on the right-hand side, there was a young woman splayed out on the ground, barely breathing. Mm -hmm. On the left-hand side, there was a huge man in armor in the same position, barely breathing. And the words that came to me was, these two forces have been pushing at each other, their fists together, eons. It's time that they did this, mm. brought their fingers together. So I mm. had a friend, that uh, a psychic in Virginia Beach, and I called her and we were talking about it. And she said, you know, I have a word. We, we're, we are well aware of manifesting something. I think we should start talking about femifesting. Mm. Now listen to this. Manifesting is Jacob's Ladder. You take one step, you get a degree. You do another step, you do something. You you actually manifest something, and we women have been trying to manifest stuff all this time and fighting for that right to manifest. Right. But you know, in my dream, we the girl was on the right hand side. That's the that's the masculine, and the guy was on the left hand side. That's the feminine. So we were all, we're all mixed up because the feminine uh, way of doing things is a spiral. You can mm-hmm. be on the fifth rung, fifth rung and know what's going down on the second rung. Mm-hmm. And nobody can figure out, I mean, it's hard for men to figure out how we do things. Well, <laughs> you know, let's manifest. I think it's a great word and I'm using it.
0: I love it. I love it. I actually work with a lot of a lot of my patients on so a lot of my patients with hormone balance issues. Yeah. Are stuck in that. Oh yeah. They're stuck in male energy, right? So yeah. they're and and the overthinking, you know, now we live in a world where women are working and we're promoted, getting promoted and they're really successful which is awesome but then their lives are a little bit out of balance and it's exactly what you just said it's literally like you're too much in your masculine but then what we don't realize is that when you're when you're doing the femifesting it's actually easier <laughs> it's
2: actually well, much sure. easier you know you can it's you a little can, bit more effortless you can, you know? right you can be at the sink with a dish and a baby in one hand and T- taking care of the one on the floor, you know, it's, it's, <clears throat> and, and not think anything of it. Yeah. <clears throat> because it's so natural. If yeah. we're really paying attention to our na- feminine nature, we can do these other things. I've done all things in, you know, all these things in medicine. <clears throat> but you, you you know, you have to set your boundaries, but, right. Uh, but you, you you go where you have to go.
0: <clears throat> Amazing. Amazing. Um, hmm. Is there anything else you want to leave us with regarding, you know, your top maybe top three tips for longevity? you already given us so much stuff. I don't even know. So if there's anything else you want to leave us with, yes,
2: love uh-huh. is the great healer. Don't forget that love is a great healer if that's mm. the center of your <clears throat> understanding you'll find the other other ways words or the other ways of working with things mm. <clears throat> mm. mm.
0: mm. mm. love it are you are you um a fan or a do you are you um, or do you use any um you know um uh natural therapies things like acupuncture?
2: oh we different brought acupuncture like- into the country <clears throat> <clears throat> we brought acupuncture into the country in in the seventies
1: <clears throat>
2: you want a sto- you want the story i do i'm gonna need that story now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, <clears throat> take your time. In, if, you
0: the, a, if you need to like drink a water or something, take your time. Take your time.
2: Well, you time. yeah. Well, <laughs> in the forties um, and up until I left the, the ARE clinic, Bill and I, my husband and I started the ARE clinic in Phoenix, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> He was sending out a newsletter to people who were interested. It was called Pathways to Health, and um, people w- responded to that. And we and this one p- time I must have been the end. Oh, yeah. Um, it should have put have been about six in the mid sixties. We got a letter from a mailman in um, Maine who said that he had just gotten our newsletter and for three months he'd been unable to walk his route because he'd injured his ankle. And uh, nobody knew what was wrong with it. He'd gone to doctors, he'd gone over. And so he had been reading our Bill's pathways to health and was talking about putting a castor oil pack on a a neck for a sore throat. He said, Mm -hmm. I had a sore throat. So I put a casserole pack on my neck Mm -hmm. and my ankle cleared up.
0: Can you imagine?
2: He said, if you can tell me why that happened, I'd be (laughs) really happy. And Bill and I looked at each other and we said, we don't have a clue. (laughs) So the next letter that went out, Bill wrote this whole story up and we got an answer from a doctor in Italy, who said if you guys knew anything about acupuncture, you'd know that the meridian that started at the I, you know the and nose and eye went all the way down the ankle, and when the when the uh, when the block was removed in that meridian, it the whole thing cleared up. Yes. And we said, what's this stuff called the acupuncture? Right. So then we began writing to people in China and different places. But Nixon had just come back from China seeing an appendectomy done with acupuncture. So wow. you know the divine works in amazing ways. but mm-hmm. so we began uh, we had the first acupuncture symposium in uh, at Stanford. Um, in 73 and, uh, you know, it's, and and the thing just went, you know, all over because when people find out that there's something that they can do that can help other people could help themselves, they're, you know, they're smart. People are smart.
0: So you're part of the reason why I have my Chinese medicine doctor here. What? <laughs> you're part of the reason why we have access to acupuncture as, as widely as it is now. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. yeah. yeah. My God. Yeah. No, I love acupuncture. I find it yeah. super helpful for so many things. I also well, am obsessed with castor oil. I
2: think it's <laughs> amazing and, yeah. and yeah. I don't know why yeah. it's not used My from. kids oh, say yeah. they're going to put on my tombstone. Here she lies in spite of castor oil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: okay. So wait, 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 wait. So how do you use castor oil? Tell me all the ways you use castor oil, please.
2: Oh, my. <laughs> I, I use it, you know, I, I, they're just everything. You know, they, <laughs> My, yeah. my oldest daughter, when she went to uh, college, um, she, after she, I guess she was in her sophomore year, she finally called me one day and she says, okay, okay. She says, I've been using all these facial products and stuff. I'll get it. I've got, I'm just going to put the castor oil on, the, you know. <laughs> so, it's uh it's amazing. It's, it really is.
0: Yeah, it's super amazing. That's super cool.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: I'm sure there's way many more stories that I probably need to hear, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to let you go. Everybody listening, please go get Dr. Gladys's book, The Well-Lived Life, a 102-year-old doctor's six secrets to health and happiness. It's definitely worth the read. She's incredible. Um, Is there anything else you want to leave us with, Dr. Gladys?
2: No. Enjoy your life, but keep reaching for the light.
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate
2: you. Well, happy to talk to you.
0: (laughs) Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com. And I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who have worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good and lost hundreds of pounds if you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly until then stay healthy and happy attention superfood lovers You all may know that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients, 46 antioxidants, and all eight essential amino acids, making it an amazing plant-based source of protein. Every part of the plant could be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face daily, and I use Moringa powder to add my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from a company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare care and wellness products the coolest part every time you make a purchase from true moringa they plant a tree in your name to date they have planted over 3 million moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in ghana to check out their awesome products visit truemoringa.com and use the code rawgirl at checkout for 10 percent off and free shipping over 20 dollars If you are already a diehard fan or becoming one, this year you have the opportunity to join their true Moringa challenge and get free Moringa oil for a year, $104 in value. Customers who have used their oil say it helps to bring their skin back into balance, deeply moisturize and minimize signs of premature aging. All you have to do is follow at The raw girl and at True Moringa on Instagram and email us at media at therawgirl.com with before and after photos or videos of your skin transformation after using the oil along with your story. Don't miss out on the chance to get a full year of product. Can't wait to hear from you. All right. It's time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you want your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM or slide up in my DMs on Instagram at TheRawGirl or contact me via my website, TheRawGirl.com. Today's question is from Sophie via Instagram who says, how do epigenetic factors play a role in longevity? Hi, Sophie. Thanks so much for your question. We've actually talked about epigenetic factors on this podcast um, they play a significant role in achieving longevity by influencing how your genes are expressed and regulated um, without alternate, altering the underlying DNA sequence. Epigenetics refers to changes in gene activity that do not involve changes to your DNA sequence itself, but rather modifications to DNA or associated proteins that affect your gene expression. And these modifications can be influenced by various environmental lifestyle and genetic factors and play a crucial role in aging and longevity. So um, some ways that epigenetic factors contribute to longevity are gene expression and regulation. So DNA methylation, histone modification, non-coding RNA regulation can influence whether a particular gene is turned on or off. And these modifications can affect the way your cells respond to various signals and stresses which then influences your overall health and longevity. Then there's cellular senescence, which we talked about on this podcast. It's a state in which the cells lose their ability to divide and function properly. So epigenetic changes can contribute to cellular senescence, which then can lead to the accumulation of dysfunctional cells that are associated with aging and age-related diseases. Then there's stem cell function. So epigenetic changes can affect the function of stem cells, which are essential for tissue repair and regeneration. And so um, proper epigenetic regulation of stem cells is crucial for maintaining tissue homeostasis and promoting your longevity. Then there's inflammation and immune response. We know that epigenetic uh, factors can influence our immune system's response to inflammation and infection. When we have dysregulation of immune responses due to epigenetic changes, this can contribute to chronic inflammation, which is the hallmark of many age-related diseases. Um, Then we have metabolism and hormone regulation. Epigenetic modifications can impact the regulation of metabolism and your hormone signaling. For instance, um, changes in your genes related to energy metabolism, insulin sensitivity, and hormone production can definitely affect your overall health and longevity. Um, And then there's environmental interactions. So epigenetic changes can be influenced by environmental factors, obviously like our diet, exercise, stress, and exposure to toxins we talked about earlier in this episode. And epigenetic factors can also influence DNA repair mechanisms, which are essential for maintaining genomic stability and preventing the accumulation of DNA damage. And DNA damage and the accumulation of it can contribute to aging and disease overall. Uh, So I hope that gives you kind of a broad overview and helps you. Okay, y'all. Well, it is time to close out today's exploration of longevity. We hope you found this session enlightening and empowering. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Dr. Gladys. That was one of my favorite interviews of all time. I might need to have her back again. Um, feel free to leave a comment or DM me on Instagram at the raw girl if you have any questions or if you want to share your experiences with um, trying any of these holistic approaches to increasing your longevity. Let's continue this conversation and I can't wait to hear your stories and also witness your progress. Until next time, stay inspired and cultivate your personal path towards enduring well-being. Today, I leave you with a quote from Deepak Chopra. No matter how much it gets abused, the body can restore balance. The first rule is to stop interfering with nature. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. To watch my free diet training, The six keys to determine your ideal diet, visit www.therawgirl.com forward slash six ways free class. And to watch my free hormone training, The Secret to Resetting Your Hormones, even if you have fibroids, endometriosis, PCOS, or heavy bleeding, visit www.therawgirl.com forward slash free dash training. For more on this show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com.